Stage Door Sessions by Broadway Direct. In this podcast, we have in-depth conversations with Broadway's brightest, bringing you what's new, what's noteworthy, and what's coming next to a stage near you. I'm your host, Elisa Gardner, and this fall, we'll be speaking with some of the artists whose talents are standing out at a very busy time in a very busy Broadway season. Before our conversations with each week's guest, this season will be kicking off every episode with a look at what's new on Broadway each week with Broadway Direct's own Paul Art Smith. Paul, how are you? Doing well. How are you? I hope you had a good, good happy summer. Happy fall. Happy fall. <laughs> I know. I know. It's been, we've had like a little hiatus and we've had a million shows open since we last spoke. I was but... going to say, it wasn't much of a hiatus, was it? It was a pretty busy, they seem to get busier and busier the summers. I know. I know. They took advantage yeah. of yeah those summer months and there was a lot of great openings like Here Lies Love. Um, mm-hmm. Back to the Future had a huge opening with Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd showing out. It was, yeah, it was an incredible season. And now we're already into fall. Yeah, we've already had a couple of big ones. Pearly and, uh, of course, Merrily, We Roll yeah. Along, which was just fabulous. I, I got to see that off-Broadway, but I enjoyed it even more uptown, to be honest. I, I really agree. think they, yeah, they, they really filled that house. The orchestra, I mean, those orchestrations yeah. are just fabulous, and uh, and they really swing. And I think they just, as I said, they just filled the venue. Yeah, they filled it so beautifully. I was worried about it transferring to a much bigger space, because obviously it was... I think 200 seats or less at the New York Theater Workshop. And mm-hmm. somehow they were able to just make it perfect to the Hudson. And I think these actors have just got, they've got these characters even more ingrained in them, obviously. I love yeah. John's performance and Lindsay Mendez and Daniel Radcliffe. That lead trio is just, they're going to go down as like the best trio that's ever been on Broadway or one of the best. They're just- <laughs> wow, oh, you heard it here first. <laughs> no, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty phenomenal. It's a really good bunch. And by all reports, uh, you know, I've seen them interviewed um, in various places and they really seem to have a genuine rapport. I mean, you can usually, or you can sometimes tell when that stuff is, you know, not as genuine and, and they just seem to like each other tremendously. So they, uh, they are convincing as old friends for sure. A thousand percent. Yeah. And sort of looking ahead, I know we've had an exciting summer and fall, but we also, of course, have an exciting spring coming ahead. And one of the major news was that Cabaret, the West End Revival is officially going to open on Broadway in the spring. And we just found mm-hmm. out leading the cast, which is Eddie Redmayne, reprising his Olivier Award-winning performance from yeah, West End. Yeah, yeah. And then joining for the Broadway cast is Gail Rankin, who was also in the 2014 Broadway cast of Cabaret. Yes, she was. She was Fraulein Kost. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that's like such an incredible connection that she's just been part of these both of these revivals and now is taking on the leading role. Yeah. And she was sort of wonderfully creepy in that production. I remember very vividly, you know, her character is, is, is uh, kind of dark and nasty. And um, so it's going to be really interesting to see her flesh out Sally Bowles, who is, um, you know, a character we've at this point associate with so many great actresses and uh, Eddie Redmayne. I mean, I, I did not unfortunately get to see him in London, but you know, that, that pairing of actor and role just seems kind of I don't want to say perfect until I see it, but very intriguing. Definitely. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. I've heard a sneak peek on the cast recording and it's very different from Alan Cumming, which I think you have to do when you're playing the MC nowadays. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Or Joel Grey for that matter. Yeah. You know, you have to kind of make make the part your own. And um, this is a show, of course, that everyone loves because it's a great show. And, and sadly, it, uh, it remains topical. You know, there's some mm. really dark subject matter there. And it's also tremendously, tremendously entertaining, a great score. So 
it'll be it'll be great to welcome it back to Broadway. Definitely. And another West End transfer that's been here for a while now is Six. And they just announced their next round of queens for this next year. It'll be all of the original queens from the Aragon tour, which is what they've dubbed their first national tour. Mm-hmm. Those original queens will be coming to Broadway. So they got raves out of town, like all across the country. So it's great that they get to, you know, sort of celebrate that run and be on Broadway now. I know. Who knew? I mean, this is kind of like, you know, I couldn't have predicted it would have had quite this much staying power. I think it just does something very unique really well. It's short, which I Mm -hmm. think helps. You know, it certainly doesn't overstay its welcome. I mean, it it has wide appeal. Obviously, the audiences are diverse. But I know that being the mother of a teenage girl, I know that her friends were obsessed with the show for a long time and and Mm -hmm. some still are. Definitely, definitely. It's exciting to see that it still is having a very nice rain on Broadway. Yes. And again, oh, speaking nice. Of- Nicely done, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> speaking Rain. of Rains on Broadway, yes. Oh. Wicked is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. At the time of this release of the podcast, it will have already celebrated its anniversary. And it has just been so exciting around the theater world. And I know, Elisa, you have a strong history with Wicked. And you also wrote two yeah. pieces from Broadway Direct about this exciting anniversary. I did. I did. I interviewed the current witches, uh, Alyssa Fox and Mackenzie Kurtz, which was great because they have a history with Wicked. You know, at this point, it's almost like, as I mentioned in the piece, every leading lady asks herself, you know, are you an Elphaba or a Glinda? They've become those characters like Maria and Anita or Sarah Brown and Miss Adelaide, where, you know, they're so iconic and actresses, musical theater actresses imagine themselves in, in either role. And they're both really strong parts for actresses, for singers, and people have an emotional attachment to this show. I mean, I certainly do. I I reviewed it when it first opened, and then I revisited it 10 years later with my daughter, who was six at the time, and it was this really moving experience. Mm -hmm. I I was sobbing at certain (laughs) points, really, because just 10 more years of life um, you know, made the show more, more resonant for me. Um, having, having a little girl, because, you know, kids love this show, people of all ages do, but you know, the, the legions of, of kids who have seen the show and become attached to it is, uh, is pretty extraordinary. So, um, yeah, it was, this was a, a really a labor of love for me to write about this show in, in any capacity. Yeah, I can speak to that as well. I was a kid when I first saw Wicked, and it yeah. definitely changed the course of my life for sure. Oh, how? Major, it was the first major Broadway show to have a huge impact on me. So it's definitely been sort of part of my journey to being part of the theater world. So it's definitely exciting to see it celebrate this landmark anniversary and be in the area, be around it for it. So a show that has impacted generations before yeah. and many to come. Yeah, it's a just a great story and a great score. And that's what musical theater is all about. Definitely. And as always, you can head to Broadway Direct for the latest coverage and news on Broadway, as well as across all of our social platforms at Broadway Direct. Well, thank you, Paul, as always. And we will chat next week. I look forward to that. And now on to our guests, which are today Leslie Rodriguez-Kritzer, Jimmy Smagula, and Nick Walker. A few of the stars said to bring us some much needed comic relief in the first ever Broadway revival of Spamalot, set to begin previews on Halloween and open November 16th at the St. James Theatre. Spamalot 
is, of course, the Tony Award-winning adaptation of the long-beloved comedy classic Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which opened on Broadway under Mike Nichols' direction back in 2005. This new production, which is directed and choreographed by Josh Rhodes, premiered in a sold-out record-breaking run at Kennedy Center as part of its Broadway Center stage series. Leslie and Jimmy and Nick are all reprising their roles from that staging, as are James Monroe Eigelhart and Michael Urey, and they'll be joined this time by fellow Broadway stars Christopher Fitzgerald and Ethan Slater. Leslie was last seen on Broadway as Delia in Beetlejuice. Her performance earned Drama Desk and Drama League nominations. Her numerous other Broadway credits include Something Rotten, Elf, Sondheim on Sondheim, Legally Blonde, A Catered Affair, and Hairspray, while her many off-Broadway shows include The Robber Bridegroom, for which she won the Lucille Lortel Award. She's had recurring roles on TV series such as The First Lady, Bridge and Tunnel, and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and she has also created several stage shows, among them Leslie Kritzer is Patti LuPone at La Mouche, for which she received a Time Out New York award. Nick Walker has played Barry Gordy, Marvin Gaye, Otis Redding, and Aaron Burr on Broadway. That's a lot of history right there in the shows Motown the Musical, Ain't Too Proud, and Hamilton. And he's been seen on TV in Blue Bloods and Law and Order SVU. And he'll be in the upcoming movie The Instigators with Matt Damon. Nick is also a writer. He's currently developing an animated series called Cleaners with Alex Brightman and an educator. He teaches at his alma mater, NYU. Nick, Jimmy, Leslie, welcome to Stage Door Sessions. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi. Thank you so much for having us. I mentioned comic relief in my intro. I think it's safe to say that wherever you live in the world right now and whatever your political views, uh, we could all kind of use a good laugh right about now. And all of you have proven very facile before at making us laugh in different projects and at moving us in other ways. But I'm wondering if the idea of doing a comedy, a musical comedy, seemed especially appealing when you were approached for this show or audition for it. Um, absolutely. Yes. Uh, I, you know, as an audience member and an artist and an actor, I know that we need to laugh now more than ever. We've just been through an incredible pandemic that stopped the entire world and made us all stay away from each other for years to be able to sit in a theater and commune with thousand other people in a big room and forget your troubles and just laugh and have a great time. That is literally what Spamalot is. For two hours and 20 minutes, you are going to have a joyous experience. That's all it is. We're not trying to teach you anything except to always look on the bright side of life and enjoy life. You know, life is short and life is beautiful. And that's really what our show is about. Just always, always try to look on the bright side of it. Yeah. Leslie, for you, similar? I mean, absolutely. I, well, first and foremost, I love doing comedy. It's my first love combined with musical theater. And when I was asked to do this and I saw the cast list, I was like, oh, it's no question in my mind that I have to be with this group of people at this particular time. It's funny how it worked out. It's not funny, but my mom passed in May. The day I walked into tech for Spamalot in DC. So it, it could not have come at a, a better time in my life. I was embraced by this group um, with open arms. I am forever grateful. And then on top of that, we just put together a world-class, uh, huge Broadway comedy that I think 
the world needs right now, 20 years later. I saw it on Broadway 20 years ago. I really never thought I would do a show like this, to be honest, um, because I always felt I wasn't tall enough to play the Lady of the Lake. And back in the day, those things <laughs> um so now I guess I'm the right height at five foot three and I'm ready to make people laugh alongside these genius comedic actors that I love every single one of them um, so much. And I'm just, I feel so lucky. So yeah. You are the right, you're the right everything for the lady of the lake. Let me just uh, bust in here and say that it's incredible what she's doing and, you know, becoming a dear friend of Leslie. She's an incredible person as well. And it shines through in her performance, her generosity and the fun that she has. I get to watch a lot of Leslie's performance uh, every show and it's just different and fun and joyous. And she's having a ball, which makes all of us, including the audience, just have the best time. Yeah. And we're, yeah. it's not lost on us how, how we- amazing it is to right now in the, not only in the political climate but the economic climate brings a big show to broadway but every time i talk to anyone mostly who are muggles people who are not theater people that just love going to theater especially the jersey crowd that i know they're like we're buying tickets we're buying tickets we can't <laughs> wait my volkswagen car dealer that i'm returning my car from the lease, the lease is up. He's like, I'm buying tickets. I can't wait. I want house seats. So like, <laughs> so people love Spamalot. So we're, we're just thrilled. You know, I was, I was on the phone with a friend last night. I think that the thing that is, it's not just, it's, yes, it is the comedy. It is doing a boisterous comedy, but more importantly, it's doing it with people that I truly love. Yeah. Um, I don't think they knew this when they cast us. Like they didn't know that we were all friends. But like I actually, I specifically remember texting you all and be like, "Yo, I'm gonna like like as soon as I saw the initial announcement, guys, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be there front row. Like I just have to see this madness. You all the the, the grouping you together, and then like one of y'all texted me like, "Why aren't you in this?" And then literally the next day, I got a phone call that was like, "Hey, you want to come do spam one?" And I was like, "Like all right, like let's go." So I think that that's kind of been. The beauty for me in the midst of this world on fire has been not only being a part of this amazing piece of Monty Python history that's made the musical, but also getting to do it with people that, like, truly, I, I you know, grab beer with, you know, on a Monday. Like, like it's, it's, it's my people. Are you fans of the original Monty Python movie or of Monty Python generally? I mean, is that part of your background? I saw the original Spamalot production and loved it. I just had the best time. It, it's just such a fun show. And to be very honest with you, I didn't know much about Monty Python before seeing that. I uh, went back and watched The Holy Grail uh, in preparation for the Kennedy Center production of Spamalot. But I didn't know Monty Python very well. And it is a genre of its own. That's also what's so fun about playing the comedy of this show is that it is really its own beast. And once you get into the rhythm and the world of it, it's such a ball, but it is something that kind of has to be learned. It has its own rhythm and its own kind of life to it. And those guys are so brilliant. And what they've created just in the show is so brilliant. So for us to be able to add to that and hopefully make it better and uh, make the mater- elevate the material even more, 
um, mm-hmm. is a joy. It's such a joy and such a privilege, really. So I haven't seen the I haven't seen the production. My wife is obsessed with this movie. Um, she can she can quote this movie up and down sideways. So this is so so Holy Grail is a very prominent fixture in our home. So I knew the movie. I did not know the show. But now that I know the show, I'm like, oh, is that? And I've heard people say this before. Like people been like, yes, Spamalot's like my favorite musical all time. I'm like really, Spamalot? And then I, but now that I know, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is actually legit one of the greatest musicals ever written because it's, it's just so unabashedly what it is. And also, like, I will say, and this is just, you know, I'm a writer, so this is the nerd for me. Structurally, like, as much as this thing is, like, you know, can, like, can seem like a series of sketches slept together, structurally, like, it has a really sound plot. Like, it actually does go on the hero's journey, like, very succinctly. You do get enough of a plot to, like, really care for these characters, obviously Lady in the Lake, uh, obviously King of Arthur, you kind of fall, find yourself falling in love with these people. It's, it's, it's such a good, fun, irreverent time. And Leslie, you're playing uh, the only female principal in mm-hmm. the show. So yeah, it's what's weird. that experience? I mean, every time I look around, I go, really? There's no one else? I mean, the girls in the ensemble, um, I'm obviously friends with them all, and we, we're going to have some new people joining us as well, but I literally look around and I'm like, I'm really the only girl. And even when we were doing our press photos the other day, I was looking back at some of just the screenshots that we all took of them. Like, it's weird. I'm like, wow, there, there it is. Um, even during the entire run of the Kennedy Center, I was like, oh, wow, I'm the only girl. Like, it's it. And then I would like hang out with the girls like more because I was like, I love all my guys, but I'm like, wow, this is really weird. However, it, it is nice in the sense that like, I, I feel very appreciated, which is which is nice. Uh, and I love these guys. I mean, I love every single one of them. Um, we are very lucky to, knock on wood, have a group of people that really give each other the stage and are very generous. Uh, and especially to me, you know, uh, that's not always the case. We're all in the sandbox together sharing our toys. And... You know, with this part, I, I have been lucky enough to play um, a few characters that are wacky and crazy. And the one that comes to mind is Robert Bridegroom. Um, that was probably the craziest I've ever been able to do. I wore a gold tooth and I did pratfalls all over the stage. I mean, I almost broke my body. It was worth it. Um, whereas, but this, next point, I really think I'm able to do something I've really never been able to do on Broadway. That was off Broadway. You know, this, I think, is very different. It's also an iconic part. And I think to be able to put my own little spin on it, super fun. I'm having a blast. I'm really excited. I did not get to see this production of the show at Kennedy Center. I've heard it was just wonderful and hilarious. But I read an interview where your director, Josh Rhodes, described the show as a beautiful satire of Broadway and of the class (laughs) system. And he added that in D.C. there was some sort of incredible energy from the audience that made us realize people were so hungry for this material. There was a rowdiness that maybe wasn't there before. I remember it being pretty rowdy back in 2005. So tell me a little bit about, about, you know, what you've done with your director to amp that up even more, maybe. I think with Josh uh, Rhodes, who we just adore and love, and this is my first time working with him, he's really allowed us to kind of do what we do. You know, Mike Nichols 
and Casey Nicola. And I'm actually reading Mike Nichols' book now. And I got to the section about spam a lot, which I highly recommend. It is really cool, Jimmy and Nick. Okay. It's I'll really, really it. cool. Okay. You can just, yeah, but you could just skip to like page 200, whatever. <laughs> um, Josh is allowing us to kind of put our own spin on it. Um, our cast certainly doesn't look like the other cast. I mean, it's much more diverse. We're, and everyone is bringing their own special gifts and talents and uh, quirkiness and humor that I think is very different than the Monty Python oh, spam a lot that you saw or people saw 20 years ago. And I think it builds in a beautiful way uh, on what Mighty Python was based on. We, we saw that about in, in the Kennedy Center, how we were received. I mean, the audience loved everything that they recognized, but also loved the new humor that we brought to it. And it's kind of fresh um, while definitely maintaining the old school, what people love. And I, I think that's what's great about the production. You know, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're just trying to make it 2023, 2024, which is... Absolutely. Yeah. I thought it was very interesting that you said, you know, bringing up the issues of class that we um, kind of delve into and spam a lot. I mean, in a very funny way, it's, it's hysterical. But it's interesting that audiences are connecting to that when you think about the fact that you know, actors like Leslie and I and Nick and our probably our entire cast are members of SAG-AFTRA. My partner is a member of the WGA. We're currently on strike. You're seeing unions all across the country go on strike and demand what's fair and what's right for, for their work in this world and demand a fair wage. Um, so it is interesting that audiences are certainly connecting to that aspect of Spamalot, which is very prevalent and very much a part of our show. It's something that's certainly resonating with uh, audiences. And I think it was, um, it was certainly apparent in the, in the Washington audience that that was a, a theme that people were connecting to um, in our show. And again, it's all done in comedy and humor, but it's certainly there. Yeah. Um, I mentioned before, Jimmy, that you uh, were on Broadway. I think this is your first time in more than a decade. That's right. Is that correct? 12 so, years. <laughs> What's it been like getting reacclimated? It's been crazy. It's a whole new world. It's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, we, I had an Instagram. You know, the last Broadway show that I did was Billy Elliot, and I left it in 2011 after an injury. And uh, I never came back to Broadway. I moved to Los Angeles soon after Billy Elliot. Um, and I'd done some shows at the Kennedy Center. I did a tour of Les Mis. So I've been working a little bit in theater, mostly doing television and film. But it's a whole new world with social media, and it feels so much more exposed in a great way to our audiences now. It feels like you can really connect with audiences in a more personal way, in a, in a broader way. You know, the Broadway in 2023, and Leslie touched on this a little bit, it looks so much different and it reflects so much more of our country now and the voices in our country that need to be heard. And Broadway is still has a very long way to go, in my opinion, to make room for those voices. But I do believe the door is starting to crack open. We need to kick it down. But we're starting mm -hmm. to crack open. Like Leslie said, our particular cast looks so much more diverse than what the 2005 or 6 Spamalot cast looks like we're very proud amazing. of that it's we're amazing. very proud of that yeah it is it's yes. amazing so that's how it's changed it's changed for the better 
um, yeah. as far as I can see. And it's so exciting to be back a part of this incredible Broadway community that does so much, not only for each other, but for the world. Broadway cares, equity fights, AIDS, raises tens of millions of dollars every year and donates them to charities and causes around the world, um, in addition to other charities that are Broadway-based charities and, and funds and the Actors Fund and all that stuff. So it's, um, it's, it's a joy. I, I, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Well, that sort of segues nicely into a question I was going to ask all of you about, you know, changing the changing world, changing conditions. Monty Python was not known for making safe, polite comedy. And I don't recall the show being especially safe or polite. And I don't remember it being offensive in any way either. But as I'm sure you all know, sensibilities and sensitivities are different now than they were 18 years ago or even five or 10 years ago. And that has impacted comedy in all forms. Was that something you discussed or considered in rehearsing the show? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think, you know, I thought a lot about this, um, right. The, the difference in what makes people laugh and what turns people off. I, I, my theorize, and it's just my theory is inclusion, right? Are you, are you punching down or are you punching up? Mm-hmm. Right. all of you. Um, Before we wrap up, I'd I'd love for you each to tell me about some especially rewarding or amusing feedback that you got from an audience member at Kennedy Center. Could even be someone you know or someone you met outside the theater, uh, either a Monty Python buff, someone totally unfamiliar with Monty Python or unfamiliar with the show. Uh, Anything come to mind? Yes. I mean, immediately for me, I think about our curtain call. We do a sing-along with the audience and we sing Always Look on the Bright Side of Life and they put the words of the song up behind us so the audience can sing along. And it is incredible to stand on a stage and look out of an, at an audience of a thousand people and see everyone smiling and whistling along, some people with tears in their eyes, they're so happy. It is the best. That's the best feedback for me that you can get. 
is the audience going, yeah, we loved this. This was worth my time. This was something that made me feel better for two hours. That's the best feedback I can get is seeing the faces of the audience literally just having had the time of their life and singing along with us and holding hands and holding each other and smiling. And it's the greatest. It's the greatest. Yeah. Leslie and Nick. I can say uh, one moment I'll never forget. So my, my mom came to our opening night and my mom is a preacher out of Little Rock, Arkansas. Monty Python is the furthest thing. <laughs> <laughs> what she finds funny. And, but he wasn't, and I will say, I will say, like, I think that what was fascinating was not just that she found it funny. And this kind of goes back to your previous question. She, and I'll never forget that she was like, I didn't think that we were allowed to participate in that kind of humor. Wow. Like, like she's like, that was, she was like, I didn't think that that was for us. Wow. Right? Because it, it's dry British humor, right? Yes. And so so having, having this cast, I think, is a very different thing and and it was so lovely to be able to be like no we can we can do that too like we can we can anybody like we can we can make that happen especially with this company that i think is so egoless and selfless and and inclusive it just be fun yeah i'll just add really quickly i couldn't believe the amount of young people that loved the show obviously money python is uh, way, way ahead of their time. And a lot of these young kids that came, they ate it up. They loved it. They loved seeing the, the knights and, and, you know, me, <laughs> because I'm the only girl, and the ensemble, but in sort of this fantasy, funny world. And, of course, certain things go over their head, but a lot of things, because it's just so simple sort of comedy and physical comedy, they loved it. I, I was just amazed how many you know young people were at the stage door. So I think it's opening it up to a whole new audience that didn't even know Spam a lot before. Yes. That speaks again, our cast and the time and the, our new brand of humor coming through an old school property, which is, you know, the new meeting the old. So that's great. Well, once again, Leslie, Jimmy, Nick, thank you for joining us today, taking some time out. We cannot wait to see you on stage soon and laugh until we cry. <laughs> no pressure. And for all things Broadway and to find tickets to your next show, visit broadwaydirect.com. If you liked our show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And don't forget to share and rate Stage Door Sessions so that other theater fans can find us as well. This podcast is produced by Broadway Direct and the Niederlander Organization with Iris Chan, Erin Provosnik-Wagner, and Paul Art-Smith, and hosted and produced by me, Elisa Gardner. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again soon on Broadway. 